At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This podcast was brought to you by Dragon Shield. Use code Play to Win Five at the affiliate link down below for five percent off to help support the show. Welcome to the Play to Win podcast, where we talk about winning in CEDH. I'm Cam. I'm Dylan. I'm Tyler. And this week we're doing something pretty cool. We're doing a tournament recap report of the Play to Win CEDH tournament that we had at Cloud City. It's our third one, and Tyler won. Oh, hell yeah. I was surprised too. Tyler played Kinnon. He had a great day, a lot of good games, a lot of great plays, a lot of great draws. We're going to talk about the whole thing. It was 64 people. I think overall it was pretty great. There was a little hitch in the beginning, a little repairing, but besides that, there were no problems. Problems. Everyone seemed to have had a blast, and we're just going to talk about our little experience uh, on that day. Because we all played. Even though Tyler won, we all played. The whole Play to Win crew was there. Nate was there as well. Brandon was there, too. Yeah, I'm top 16. I made top 16 with Kenrith, which was pretty sweet. If you notice, we haven't brought up how I've done yet, so what, what could that mean, maybe? Let's just get into it. No spoilers. No more spoilers. <laughs> no more spoilers. We're going to jump right into... Round one. Round one, game one. Who wants to start? I feel like Tyler, you should start. Tyler, sure, start us off. Yeah, you, you had yeah. the great day. How did your first round well, go? Can I tell you about my one strategic decision I made going into the tournament before yes. I even went? Yes. I was very excited. I chose for, I think, the first tournament ever to not get drunk the night before. So Ooh, I was not hungover. Wow. And it turned out to be a stellar move. Ooh, good choice. No hungover. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Did you, did you no. eat any food or breakfast, any water beforehand? Yeah, I got up like well well in advance, ate like a whole ass breakfast, like had a bunch of coffee. Yeah, I was feeling I can't great. believe this guy cheated by doing all I that know. before. The, we, wow. we, none of us did that. That's crazy. Yeah. And what about the night now going into the night before? I know you said you weren't drunk. What about the night's sleep that you got? How I was that? I had a great night's sleep. I went to bed at like 1230, which is very early for me on a Saturday night, to be honest. Man, if only science could explain what was happening here. <laughs> yeah, it's a mystery. We'll, we'll never know. Truly. So tell us about your round one now. We're in the tournament. I, yeah, I didn't take tournament notes, really. So I, I put some down from memory. But um, round one, uh, forgive me, uh, seat one opponent, I... I do not remember what my C1 opponent was playing. I remember that everyone in the pod was super nice, and that was basically the whole day. The whole crowd there was awesome. The person before me, I was third in seat order. There was a Corvold before me, and the fourth player was on Tivit. I ended up getting it. In the long run, it was because the turn one player chose to Gilded Drake Corvold after Corvold had been played. 
with uh, Dockside in the graveyard, so like potentially some shenanigans. They uh, gilded Drake to the Corvold instead of my Kinnon, which was out, and I had like enough mana that you might start to get worried. So I think it might have been right for them to do the Kinnon. I'm thrilled they didn't. The Corvold player did then eventually try to reanimate Dockside, and the Tivit player spent um, counter magic on it. So I ended up getting to have a protected win with multiple pieces of counter magic left in my hand, and it was awesome. So you just basically were patient. You waited for the uh, the players to interact with themselves and didn't speak up. Yep, pretty yeah. much. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That was a that was a lay low kind of game. Yeah. That Gilded Drake move is a tough call because you don't know if like you or Tivit is going to have the interaction for a reanimate. So like if you can make a play to stop that from being an option from the table and you have a big beater that can help you draw cards if you have the right pieces that's that's kind of hard to pass up but yeah it just does also like give you the opportunity to make some more mana and go okay i don't have to worry about this now yeah i understand the call when you see a corvold on the field and you've seen a dock side that is like alarm bells should be ringing like yeah. this corvold deck could do some real shit too. yeah there's like a pretty decent chance that that corvold deck can probably untap and win on the spot whereas you will untap and like maybe play a seed bermuse and win in five turns from now you know what i mean you'll technically give the table some more time i think on average right yeah but it's looking back obviously yeah, would have been great to take the kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think something we'll remind ourselves a lot today is hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah, <laughs> and that looking back on these games, they always could have been better. Do you want to go over your round one? Yeah, sure. So my round one was the uh, biggest disappointment of the day. Um, so I mulled the three round one. I'm playing my my Kenny deck, Kenrith, uh, the Return King. Um, I'm going second. There's an Atraxa player who mulled the four going before me. Sitting to my left is a Blue Farm player, a Timna Crown Blue Farm player. And then in last is a Tivit player who also mulled the four. So we're all ready for round two, basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the, the We all kind of know how this goes. Um, the Atraxa player is actually able to get Atraxa out and threaten a little bit of action interaction against Blue Farm, but... There was really nothing else that we could do. The Blue Farm player ended up getting a turn one opposition agent and getting a land out from under Tivit on their turn one. So I, I continued to draw like four more fetch lands and really wasn't able to do too much that game. So who did you say won? Blue Farm won that one. Blue Farm Just took that one handily. Cards. Yeah. Well, so many cards. Too many cards. And after like interacting with the Traxa just a tiny bit, they were able to assemble a win real, real nicely. Was this the Blue Farm player that it was their like second day playing CDH? Yeah. Yeah. I, he played against me round one and said, this is my second day playing my first CEDH tournament. And we, we, we were like, that's great. Here, have fun in round two. <laughs> have the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Super, super nice guy. He was in my he was in my round two. That's, he was in that's my top asked, sixteen yeah. pot again, actually. So he ended up doing pretty doing well pretty throughout good. the day. Yeah, nice, cool. Um, my, spoiler alert: my round one didn't go quite as well for me uh, as it did for Tyler. Uh, I played against Kinnon. I went second. I played against Thrasios, Bruise, and then Atraxa. Um, was it Tim? Do you remember on which deck? On Kinnon. The one who was in the final four. It was no, not. It wasn't no. the one okay. in the final four. There were no. three Kinnons. That's why I asked. I think there were more than that because I played against two Kinnons and then there was you and then I did not play against the Kinnon that was in your top 16. So there was at least four. Okay. Yeah. The deck lists were optional. When I looked at the, um, what's it called? EDH top 16. Yeah. When I looked at the the stuff on there for the entries into that tournament, I think I saw three Kinnons, but some people may not have submitted deck lists. Oh yeah. We should. This time we they should, were optional. We yeah. should talk about this real quick. If you want to see the actual deck list and everyone who submitted deck lists, you want to go to the topdeck.gg link that we have down in the description to see everything because something happened with the import up to MTG top eight or EDH top 16 because 
my name's not in that list at all. My name's also not in there, so, so I don't know why. Our, like, initially, our it said that gone. I won with Turgrid. Yeah, it's not <laughs> Which the Which is not the deck I played. <laughs> that is my fault, though. I'm almost certain. Oh, really? Did you put the wrong deck in? So the, the day before, I had been looking at uh, my roommate, Other Tyler, his casual Turgrid list that he's been putting together. So I think I must have seen Moxfield been like, yeah, p- copy that link okay. without opening it up all the way. <laughs> That's funny. And then just pasted the wrong thing in there. So. I can't believe <laughs> they didn't make you commit to that yeah. Turgrid list. <laughs> yeah, you should have to go home and get that thing. Well, <laughs> yeah. The, de- the deck lists were optional. Remember, they ended up saying, uh, I guess you know, we're not true. actually yeah. enforcing deck lists for this. Going forward, should we ask them, like, maybe that's important to enforce a deck list? I think, I we think they should probably be. should. People expect to, yeah. I think, for, for most tournaments that they're taking somewhat seriously. How do you do this with the importing of the deck list? Do you put in your regular Kinnon list, or do you put in a special list just for today so that it's unchanged? I put in my regular Kinnon list. Yeah, and, that's what I did. And I trust that if people really want to know what it looked like at the time, they're going to click the history and scroll back to when this date was and figure out what has changed since then. And you could do the math and figure out what changed. <laughs> Sorry. I cannot keep five different lists. It's yeah, going to drive me nuts. I agree. I kind of feel the same way. There's some part of me that wishes that they were like locked in time. I wonder if Moxfield has the capability of to like lock a link in time. So if you wanted to, you could see what it looked like on that date. Oh, this is what you do. You hit copy. And then you go tournament copy, and then it's just there. And you, you like make, title it make tournament a copy. List. Yeah, you just, and then, yeah, but then and you, then you have your regular list, and then you have this other list that you import into the system, and then you put it in a folder on Moxfield, and you never have to look at it again. Cameron, yeah, that's probably true. I stopped listening after like the third one. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. All right. Well, I'm going to do that. I'm going to make us all do that. So you think that, did you put in your Kinnon list for the day or your overall Kinnon list? Oh, no, or I just Kenrith. put in my overall Kinnon yeah, but list. But you didn't even do it. You don't even live in what you're, not well, even no, live what you're preaching. <laughs> no. What the hell, Kim? Either way, my first rounds, Lotho was good. That was my big takeaway. I played a Lotho and it was good. It got me a lot of treasures. It was really a great card. Shieldred, I had an early Shieldred out, which ended up killing the Kinnon player. They were at five. Lost a mana crypt roll, drew for turn, and Shieldred killed him. I was like, at least I got my one checkoff thing for the day. <laughs> nice. Unfortunately, Atraxa ended up getting me with commander damage. They just attacked me three times, and I couldn't get a flyer out in time. I felt like I had pretty decent control of the board otherwise. Even against the Atraxa player, I just couldn't stop them from casting the Atraxa. Once they do, they get so many extra cards. I also forgot that Atraxa had flying at one point, and I attacked right into him, so they got to gain an extra seven life. So that was oh! like a great mistake to start the day off with. And not only that, then I don't have my blocking flying creature to stop them from killing me Um, so didn't play my best I ended up getting cyclonic rifted from the Kinnon which slowed me down enough and then AI Traxa just killed me and then eventually Traxa ended up winning the game that Traxa deck I don't know I didn't really quite love a Traxa at first it just didn't seem like I could get a Traxa out early enough it seems like often they're getting a Traxa out on turn three and they can just kind of like chill on that Traxa for a while it's one of those decks that can have a lot of inevitability but I think if they if they are keeping a hand whose plan is only to get a Traxa out and then Atraxa gets countered or something else Trans- goes wrong. Straight. Yeah, whatever it may be. I think the Atraxa decks are very often stuck doing nothing then, which makes it like weirdly both weak to stacks and to faster decks. So it's kind of a weird spot to be in the meta, but I think it, it can be really powerful. On paper, I agree with you and that's what I feel, but this day I feel like I kind of got like whipped around by Atraxa. It just, it, seemed, it felt so much better than how I, I feel like it should be in my head. I feel like it just works right now because it's slow. Like it can do nothing because a lot of other players are doing nothing so we can sit there and do nothing and then when they have the time and they have the opportunity they can draw five cards without triggering orcish bowmaster right so there's I, I don't even know if it's good. It's just like a really solid long game plan thing that you could probably
probably replace with a lot of other things that are still going to win the game too. It, it but this one's nice it, that it goes with food chain. It Sorry. thrives in mid range hell. Is like I feel like I feel like a lot of people are calling like it's one of the few decks that like is just really good at thriving in a grindy mid rangey Ristic study world. It's pretty good at that. I think. Yeah. I love that this is held to other people because obviously, like, <laughs> I'm this Kinnan's, is great. Kinnan is fucking yeah. Satan in this. If, if this is mid range hell, Kinnan is the king of hell. Like, yeah, Kinnan awesome. does this better than any other deck, just like grind in that mid range. Oh, I'm we'll, so happy. We'll find, <laughs> so, we'll find some of this out as we continue to go. Shall we go into round two? Let's go into round two. Tyler, do you remember this one for you? Yep. I had, there was a uh, Zerda player in seat one. I haven't seen Zerda on its own in a while. That was interesting. I mean, it sure does combo with Basalt Monolith, so. Uh, sure, do sure. It. There was a Timnan Krom player, uh, the one from Cameron's round one. Yeah. In seat two. And then me, and then a Tivit, um, I believe. And the Tivit and the Zerda both got like pretty quick starts where it looked like they might be threatening wins. It was at least by turn three. Um, it felt like turn two to me, but I was third in seed order, so that might just be positioning. They both built up pretty scary boards. Um, I resolved the seed war muse and kind of said like hey don't counter this i can cast a big uh, cyclonic rift and stop both of these players on the next player's upkeep if if this resolves but i can't if it doesn't um i don't think i needed to say that i don't think anyone had counter magic for it but uh that seed war muse long story short ends up winning the game even if i was behind when i put it down which i was but then i eventually got a one ring they had a one ring the tiffet player um they also copied my seaborn muse so it looked like it would be a close race there but i got a a clutch Ottawara um in his end step so that there was no seaborn untapped got to boseju a basalt monolith on the zerta players board and then i got to run away with the one ring and draw a zillion cards it sounds like you had like the perfect interaction the uncounterable basically uninteractable channel abilities to be able to deal with the problems that they're copying from you bo your board just sets it up so that now you're the only only one with the problem permanence and it can really set you ahead yeah yeah so strong and um another thing so i run moonsnare prototype in kinnon which is not something everyone runs in kinnon it's a one blue mana and you can tap it and another creature like springleaf drum but it only taps for colorless however uh, you can channel it for four and one blue to put target non-land permanent on the top or bottom of its owner's library their choice and that has been so good. Like, I'm never cutting this card, and I don't know why more people aren't running it. Like, it's so flexible, right? Yeah. The fact that it's efficient uh, mana in Kinnon, it's pretty good mana. And then also as a removal spell at the uncounterability channel, it's just so good. It comes up a lot, too, because... Um, when when you play perplexing chimera sometimes you have to give the perplexing chimera away like that's that's how this works and between Ottawara and that card ways to um get rid of that perplexing chimera that can't um i i think it, it could it, it could exchange but if it exchanges then you just have the perplexing chimera it returns like you're getting rid of it either way um and it can't be flat out countered like that is strong I have a question about your Seedborn Muse turn. Do you remember how much mana you had when you cast a Seedborn? Like, could you have theoretically just held up Psychonic Rift and not cast a Seedborn Muse? No. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, that's a great politic move to just jam Seedborn and say, now you guys have to let it resolve because I had the Psychonic Rift. That's exactly Rift. how it worked. Okay. And yeah, it was a matter of blue mana. I don't, I don't remember exactly why the blue mana came up, but I also had to cast a Grim Monolith to have enough mana to cast the Seedborn, so I was tapped exactly out with Grim Monolith tapped. Okay, so you couldn't have just held up Psychonic Rift. So that's honestly even better, because if they saw that, they might have like tried to like spite punish you or something. But I, even still, I think it's like a great politic move, is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah I think that worked out really nicely, yeah. How did your round two go? So I'm coming to this game off of a mold of three, and I'm in fourth seat. I got Tivit going first. We got Najila going second. There's a Magda player going third. And then I'm looking at a hand with 
turn one dark ritual into a uh, blue-black talisman into imperial seal on turn one. And then, all right, well, maybe I can, like, get Dockside Extortionist or try to find something. I had Finale of Devastation, and I had Demonic Consultation in my hand as well. So if I can find Dockside, I can make a lot of mana, and I can try to present a win. But Magda, on their turn one, goes Land Crypt into Magus of the Moon, and I immediately think I'm going to have another non-game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I haven't even gotten to play a land. I'm looking at a fetch land and a tundra or something else, and I'm immediately going, all right, well, I guess I'm going to have a slow non-game here. So turn two, I get my talisman down, and turn three, Tivit tries to win with Time Sieve. But Najila has already gotten Najila out. Najila actually turned one Najila, which was pretty scary. But uh, they kind of have to use their fierce guardianship on this time save as it comes onto the stack. And now Tivit's like just done. Tivit's in play. That's what they're doing. Najila's done. They're tapped out. Um, and then we go to the Magda player, and Magda is in a prime spot. They go get Dockside, and they're actually able to make seven treasures. After putting the Universal Automaton on the stack, the Tivit player reveals a little bit of extra interaction here and is able to bounce the magda right now to stop the infinite combo from going off so magda tries to go get a cursed mirror and copy the dockside extortionist and goes up to eight treasures i will say immediately in my mind i thought they were going to get god pharaoh statue because i couldn't think of another way for them to be able to go get an etb trigger off of dockside they end up fetching sculpting steel trying to target their cursed mirror copy of dockside forgetting that dockside is no longer an artifact or this cursed mirror is not an artifact right so they have to have it enter as a copy of their mana crypt uh and now they're stopped. They have three treasures left. They can't keep going. Their Magda gets bounced or killed, and now they, they can't play it. There's nothing else they can do to keep going off, so they pass the turn. And luckily, on my turn two, after I played Talisman and Imp Sealed for Dockside, I was like, I didn't think I was going to get this far. <laughs> so I draw Dockside. Dockside makes me 14 treasures. <laughs> you just went on the spot? I just went on the spot. I went oh, and found awesome. a meal. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I blinked Dockside. Someone tried to abrade it in response. Boom, blink it again. I have plenty of treasures. It was such a game I did not expect to win, but really was like the turning point for the day. I have a confidence <laughs> boost. I'm like, this is why you don't scoop. This is why you never <laughs> say that you're not out. Yeah. It was a crazy game. That's funny. Oh, yeah. So round three, I had a Magda player make a big mistake. Magda's a hard deck to play. You got it your whole deck tough, at your yeah. fingertips at any moment. That's a lot to remember. But yeah, it's tough to know what the right thing to go get is. And like, there's so many different interactions. And a lot of the deck now is based on trying to like make copies of things. But the problem is it's hard to get the enter the battlefield of those copies because it's like mirror of the forebearers or something which etbs you name dwarf but then when you copy something like it's already entered the battlefield that you can trigger magda but you can't like get a dockside trigger off of it so that's why i was like i don't know what their third thing is i think they're just gonna go get a big stacks piece but worked out yeah okay cool gotta win that's all that matters wins a win but dylan tell us about your game too i was also able to win my round two also due to a little bit of an error of my opponent i was playing against tivit niv mizzet tivit and me so three six mana blue decks which is a matchup for blood pod did i even mention that i was playing blood pod i hope i did i don't think so i'm playing tim the town of blood pod <laughs> jesus christ we went off on a tangent which is a matchup that I actually kind of like. Big, blue, slow commanders is one that's like pretty good for me because I th I can match their end game and I also want to push the end game. Um, I was able to Red Blast a uh, in-play Niv-Mizzet to destroy it early on, which is great because Red Blast is a little bit worse against the Tivid players because it's four-mana removal against them. Like It could stop some other things, but it was just well-timed that I was able to get the Tiv 
the um, the Niv-Mizzet out of there. Um, the first Tivit player tried to go off. They had drawn a whole bunch of cards off of like a Rhystic study or something. They ended up using, I had at this point, uh, a Dauntless Dismantler, an Opposition Agent, and one other relevant stacks piece out, but that one, it didn't quite matter to their win. They were able to channel the enchantment that uh, temporarily removed something. What's the one I'm thinking about? It's a three mana white enchantment. Touch you, the Spirit Realm? Touch the Spirit Realm. So they were able to channel Touch the Spirit Realm to temporarily get rid of the op- my opposition agent. And then they Savine Reclamation it back to help get rid of the Dauntless Dismantler, which was great. Big brain play. But after going through all of it, they ended up being one mana short to actually go for the win. So oh. they had to just pass the turn then. My opposition came back in. And at this point, the second Tivit actually had a one ring in play that was about to kill him. They were able to... Uh, I, I at this point, oh, I remember this. I, I remember this, this game. This, yeah. yeah, I had an Orcish Bowmaster, which was the other stack piece in play that the Tivit didn't quite care about yet. My Orcish Bowmaster was in play. They had a one ring in play. They were going to die off of the activation, but I basically they convinced me to let them still draw the cards, and I wasn't going to send the damage there. I was going to send them somewhere else so that I could win on combat damage soon, thinking that they're just going to die anyway. There's nothing they could possibly draw. Angel's Grace is the card that they drew to keep them alive through the one ring trigger. But at this point, they were still at like they weren't able to get anywhere they were still they just had to pass the turn they had to spend all of their mana all of their interaction to try to find something and weren't able to do anything after that uh and then by the time it gets to me i was able to just basically win on combat damage i just attacked a couple times and uh it was kind of interesting the round of the the time of the round was called literally like right as i did my first of two attacks that would kill my opponent with lethal on board luckily we had some judge calls and they said i had an extension my opponent niv mizza who's the only player that was still alive just took one turn did nothing and I was able to just win on combat damage. But it was a great game. I was able to get Infernal Titan out, I think, and a whole bunch of other cool creatures out that just, like, killed the board. Big Orcish Bowmaster token. It's a great game. Yeah, that was a cool one to spectate and seeing, like, that uh, that player try to figure out how they're going to survive this one ring turn. And yeah. I think they have to, like, Tainted Pack to try to find Angel's Grace. Yes, yeah. So, like, they're flipping pack. through a bunch of their deck. Like, it's, it's no wonder why they had to struggle coming back from that. Also, I did a big no-no. When you are in a tournament and people are in an actual game, Game, oh, yeah. Do not give them advice. Yeah, you can't, <laughs> you can't do that. The Nimitzit player had a wandering archaic, and when um, the player uh, in seat one with the one ring who was about to die to his trigger cast a tainted pack to dig, he said something to the effect of like, "Well, I don't know if I want to copy it anyway." And I could not fucking help myself and like the the like nerdiest kid in class i was like actually it's just a free card you can just take the first one you look at and then i was like can you not tell my opponent to do the data yeah. back <laughs> which which um they ended up going i think like three cards deep and hitting a lightning bolt off yeah. of it that eventually killed one of your creatures i think i would have felt like real ass if you lost the game because i told your opponent to take the tainted pack they were going to pass up like yeah. I, man That's i right. don't do that guys lesson learned yeah everyone was learned. very gracious about it yeah, 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 it was no big deal. But yeah, that was my round two. Won the game. Well, we're going to pop into round three now. So right now, Tyler is sitting pretty at 2-0 going into round three. Dylan and I are looking at a pair of ones in yeah. the eye. Little do we know, Tyler's in top 16 already Yeah, from the way that these rounds will work out. It seemed like if you went 2-0 in the beginning, you were basically locked from that point on. Yeah. Two all, wins all gets you into top 16 yeah, is it was, what we figured out. The scoring yeah. was four points for a win, one point for a draw, and all eight points or more made it into... Top 16, I believe. There were a couple people with less than eight points that ended up making it into top 16. Like, people that ended up going, like, one, one, and two was also a record that yeah. was top 16. I think that was the 16th place yeah. got that, This right? was a 64-person tournament, so we probably should say that, too. So, it's not the largest 
tournament that's ever happened but sometimes when you have like these more smaller events you'll get numbers that look like that going into the top 16 so in round three i was really excited because i was like oh i'm 2-0 i'm going to be in a pod with other people who are 2-0 we can intentional draw we're all locked for top 16 anyway this is going to be great and we sat down and i looked at my opponent across the table who was playing cody um in seat one i was in seat two and said great so we can intentional draw like i want to get lunch and whatever lock top 16 yes absolutely and then um the magda player who was going to be seat four um sat down said 2-0 yeah 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 great let's let's do it and then uh uh zach who we know who is a local player was 1-0 and 1 and had to play it out so we were gonna have to play the game i was like god damn it <laughs> and he's on tyem which is a deck that i refuse to ever learn how it actually works so i do under under evaluate it some of the time spoiler alert he ended up winning it other spoiler alert um three out of the four players in that pod in my round three were also the top in the top four. Oh wow so, yeah so it was a good pod yeah i guess it was a good pod <laughs> you're one loss for the day <laughs> yeah i i I was really afraid of um, this Cody deck in part because people had been telling me this is a list I haven't seen before. It's capable of hanging in mid range. It's just not just the Turbo Nods plan that Cody usually is. And this dude's a good player, which he is. So I kept a hand that was capable of answering Cody or Magda um, because those are commanders that I just have a very hard time dealing with. So I kept a Force of Will um, that I was going to have to pitch a Thrasios to and a relatively slow hand. Otherwise, like I still some turn one mana, still like stuff Kinnan wants to do. But the plan was to force one of these two commanders whichever was ahead uh, or time i guess if it came to it and then um try and sit back and hope to like kind of win last you know what i mean yeah and that just did not end up working i forced the turn one cody um time and magda both got reasonably quick starts that they began to run away with and then um time in seat three just was able to get it with a devoted druid um a turn before the magda player probably would have gotten it um, the Magda player did have interaction on board that could have messed with the Devoted Druid. Um, there's a dwarf that you can sack for one red mana to deal one damage to all creatures without flying. And this would have, um, I think, fucked up the line. We didn't know for sure that Tyam had the win at that point, but I think it was reasonable to assume they would have. I've had some of the miscellaneous decks come up and be very relevant. So I think as a Magda player, you do really need to be looking out for when that's going to be very helpful for you so that you don't lose. I think, and also forcing the Cody is probably a good call because I feel like, like Kinnan's biggest weakness is like a turn two ad nauseum a lot of the time right like that's your biggest your most difficult thing to stop i think it was but it meant that my game plan was sculpted around stopping one player and then praying that the other two wouldn't run away with it yeah and they did i have some thoughts about this cody deck yeah and they're really good thoughts i want to i don't want to make it sound like i'm going to be negative about cody later but i also lost to this cody deck yeah. and would love to talk about it so yeah, yeah let's do, do that do we want to talk about it now because we're talking about cody now we can go you know, we'll go out of order though my my played against cody round four did you play I played against it in the semifinals in the semifinals so let's just talk about when we get there okay Cameron do you want to go next on your round three yeah so my round three Crick was in seat one I was in seat two there was an Atraxa player in seat three and then Joyra the weatherlight captain was in seat four. Oh, done he was a really nice guy he was yeah Crick mulls the five and the whole table is like immediately like okay well they're on the play we're not as worried as we could be right now I'm able to get a turn one fish off of a turn zero gemstone caverns and enlightened tutor but it's followed by Atraxa's turn one fish as well um which which means joyra is now like i really don't want to feed anything so it really puts him in a really tough spot we just keep letting crick spin wheels letting us draw cards and i get to a point where i'm ready to win the game i draw into thassa's oracle demonic consultation so i have some mana and i feel like i'm able to get a super protected 
Thorkel if I just finale of devastation X equals two for Grand Abolisher. And then as my opponent, my Atraxa opponent spends like three cards, including a tainted pact, trying to find an answer for this this tutor that I'm doing, I'm thinking in my head, I don't run Grand Abolisher in my deck. <laughs> what the awesome. fuck am I tutoring for? And so I see him stop his Tainted Pact at Force of Will, and I'm staring at my three-mana Thoracle Demonic Consultation, and I'm looking at my deck going, I don't know what I'm going to get. So I get Draneth Magistrate, because now he's got a ton of mana, he's got a fish, and he's going to be able to cast a Traxa. I got to shut him off somehow. He finds the Force of Will and then lets the tutor resolve. He lets the tutor resolve, which really should have been my heads up thing but knowing that i couldn't get grand abolisher made me go something's wrong yeah something is wrong and i'm still gonna lose to something like he is Ottawara, or i'm not thinking about something so they take their turn they can't cast a traxa they cast their own grand abolisher and the whole table is like gripping to the edges and then they just play like a couple other value pieces and end up passing the rest of the table can't do much and by the time i get to my turn i'm just like okay well I had Rhystic Study in play as well, so I was able to, like, draw into a Veil of Summer. I can have Protection. I Thoracle Demonic Consultation, and the Atraxa player shows me his full hand. There's not a second blue card in sight the whole time. Completely got me fooled. So, so we got to win. We got we went 2-1 after game, after game three there. Nice. Go win. Taking it to the top 16 right there. My uh, round three, I felt like I really had no business of getting anywhere close to win throughout the whole thing. I'm looking to five, and it was a five that was only mana. I only had, like, mana dorks and not a whole ton of lands. Um, I ended up missing my second land drop, and uh, eventually I found Eldritch Evolution to get rid of one of my Llanowar Elves for a Manglehorn. I was playing against Jensen, Rogsai, and Atraxa, and the Rogsai player kept seven and had a Wishclaw Talisman out. So I found the Manglehorn to destroy the Wishclaw Talisman, and hopefully slow them down a little bit. Uh, eventually, I was able to Vampiric Tutor for a Mana Crypt to help me play the One Ring, so I felt like there was a world where I was actually inching back in because, for the most part, I really didn't feel like I was in the game at all. Rogsai and Atraxa, they were just doing too much. Atraxa specifically was just... had cast Atraxa a couple times. There was a point in the game where the Rogsai player was putting a Phantasmal Image into play, looking to copy the Atraxa, and I, I swords to Plowshare the Atraxa, knowing that they would still be able to cast their Atraxa again next turn, but I didn't want Rogsai to be able to have an Atraxa activation. Even though they were saying they were trying to use that activation to try to stop the Atraxa player, I just know how Rogsai is built. And if you look at 10 cards, you'll probably be able to find a win out of there. And I didn't think my Swords Plasher was going to do anything against that. Um, looking back, I do think it was a little bit questionable. Maybe the Rogsai helping the Atraxa player out would have been helpful. I just, at the time, I really just didn't want the Rogsai player to get back into the game. Eventually, the Jensen player, who mulliganed to four, was able to get uh, an intuition going was able to get some value going. Um, I had my Deathrite Shaman in play, and me and the Atraxa player had communicated that they had a, a Besaju and an Abrupt Decay in play. So when the Jensen player um, intuitioned and found Underworld Breach, Demonic Consultation, and Tainted Pact, we decided to give them the Underworld Breach because the Abrupt Decay and the Besaju should be enough. It was enough. They, I had my Deathrite Shaman to exile something. They used an Abrupt Decay. It was enough to stop the Underworld Breach plan, Perfect. and they were, they were so tapped out, they weren't able to get back anything with the, uh, the, the Tainted Pact 
back to the demonic consultation and then we drew it just went to time and we weren't able to finish the game which was a great outcome for me because i didn't see that game actually being winnable for me i felt so behind like even though i had just gotten the one ring in play there was an attraction with like a ton of resources out but we went to time and i got the draw so i still felt live for top 16 after you were this. one one and one at that point well, i was right? one one and one at that point yeah one win one loss one draw so totally point, live for top i was 16. still alive i was like great this is better than a loss i'll take it fine we didn't know at the time but a draw would have gotten you into top 16 a second probably. draw yeah a second yeah. draw would have given you more of a chance although i guess that also would have thrown off some of the other math then too at the end of the game i don't think all of the players could have drawn let, let it be known fair. that we are dog shit at tournament math i've never been the yeah. math guy yeah no i'm not good i kind of am the math guy and I, for some reason this particular like, tournament math just i cannot wrap my head around it we got to find the equations i feel like once you learn the math or figure it out you'll be able to retain it yeah, and then if you'll there be was a, math a guy. class on this yeah we need some so anyone to teach us what the uh, what the tournament math is please yeah. yeah seriously at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Cool. Should we go into round four? Yeah. Round four. Tyler, round four. this is your last round. of the are our last rounds for the tournament. The last Swiss round of the tournament. The last Swiss there round. There will be yeah. a cut to top 16 after this round. 
And then Dylan is going to walk out of frame in the podcast. Yeah, yeah, I won't be here for the, the rest fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, at this point, yeah, I won't be here anymore. So in round four, the seat one player was the Jensen Lures player that you played in round three. He really outdid himself after the mulligan to four in your round. He mulligan to three in, in my oh, round. Boy. In round four, which is rough. This is uh, uh, James, Nick Foles, who's uh, a you know, play to win community member and, and patron. Just, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's a community member in the CEDH world in general. Awesome dude. Then seat two was Atraxa. I was in uh, seat three. And then um, seat four was Obnixilis. There was a pretty early Drenith from the Atraxa player. Um, I kept a, I think it was my second seven and it just felt like good enough, but it didn't feel like a super strong hand. I was feeling really weak going into this, but the early Drenith really slowed everyone down a whole bunch. Eventually I got a perplexing Chimera down, which felt like the thing that answered Atraxa because Atraxa was kind of the only player that was free to move about the cabin. And with Chimera out, you can't just resolve the Atraxa, like I'll obviously just take it. So then everyone was kind of like locked for a little bit. Not much was happening. I had a, a Mirage Mirror, the one ring, you know, a lot of the pieces that I want to see and two perplexing chimeras i was feeling like i could probably win uh, maybe even next turn if it got back around to me um, i had a nyx bloom ancient you know this is a great place to be but i had to survive um, with two chimeras so on james's turn on the jensen luris deck in seat one um, he cast a demonic consultation in the end step right before his turn and i figured you know this gets either Culling Ritual or Toxic Deluge. These are things that Chimera can't trade for that will wipe my whole board. I think even after that with the One Ring, I still wasn't like that far behind, but it opens the Atraxa player back up. So I was really worried about this. So I ended up swallowing my fear and trading one of the Perplexing Chimeras for a Demonic Consultation and resolving a Demonic Consultation. And in Tainted Pact, I got very lucky. It was not in the top six, and it was like five cards after that. Wait, what card did you name? Taint... Uh what did I say? You said tainted pact. Oh, I'm sorry, pact of negation. That sounds right. Oh, that sounds yeah. more right. Different yeah. pact. <laughs> yeah, different, different pact. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you exit top six, and it was five after with the pact. Yeah. So oh, then, so shoot. then I had a pact, um, and you know, I was also under a chimera at this point. But two chimeras is something Kinnan can handle. Yeah. So when it got back around to me, I was able to activate the mirage mirror, pointed at the Kinnan that had been stolen from me by the Atraxa player. Um, with a Gilded Drake, I had Mirage Mirror become a copy of Kinnon and then responded to that on the stack by having it become a copy of Nyxbloom Ancient. So I had two Nyxblooms momentarily, tapped down a gazillion mana, then had it become a Kinnon. Um, so I was back to just X3 mana. Basically with that much mana and a Kinnon on board, I was able to, you know, find a way to close it. It took a while. My pod was very patient yeah. as i tried to sort through 60 mana's worth of game actions did you but just like activate kinnon like you just go through most of your deck bunch of activating kinnon and then eventually some activating thrasios uh, to be honest i don't really remember exactly what the win moment was but, but you didn't cast many spells because there was perplexing chimeras out so you just kind of i did eventually have to get rid of that chimera i think what eventually happened is i um cast a tide spout tyrant which did resolve because he didn't want to give the chimera back and did something to bounce the chimera with the tide spout tyrant he probably should have switched on for that it's hard to say in that moment because i was in such a winning position when you're trying to pick it almost didn't matter what's the right? maximum moment yeah, yeah, yeah it feels it feels like the game was kind of lost at that point interacting so. around a chimera in general is really tough because like you kind of have to do things in weird moments otherwise you'll never have the opportunity to do them again and also it makes your decision tree so much more difficult because when every action you can take basically the perplexing chimera can switch and you have to think okay what happens if they switch then who can switch on the next thing after that what like it just makes the decision so much harder when perplexing is out my answer is normally don't do anything just don't wait do for it. someone wait. else to do something right. and then you take the opportunity to remove it then yeah maybe yeah unless you have the, table. the removal like unless you have the like two removal spells or a toxic deluge or something that's gonna like guarantee to get rid of it you gotta you gotta make someone else deal with it 
because they will. And that plan will stop working once everyone starts to pass the buck and then get it. How was your round four, Cameron? Not good. Not good. Uh, we were all at a variation of two and one, whether we had two wins, a loss, or two wins and a draw, um, except for the Rogside player who was coming in at a win, a loss, and a draw. The time that made it to the finals was in seat one, followed by a Tivit player, followed by this Rogside player, and then me. I don't really have too much to say about this one besides Born Upon a Win is a busted card. Rogside was pretty unassuming like they had a lot of mana and we thought that we had enough stuff to be able to stop them in play based on Tivit finding Grafdigger's Cage off of their uh, pretty early Urza's Saga and I had a Ranger Captain of Aeos in play which was like my whole strategy my hand wasn't great I took a little bit of a mulligan and I was like all right well I can I have Ranger Captain here and a little bit of other interaction but I had tapped out for Kenrith once I had five mana which Again, I had this Ranger Captain of Aeos in play. I thought it was going to be enough to stop Rogside, but Rogside still did an end step Adnaz. And going into their turn, obviously, I sacked this Ranger Captain. They respond with a Tainted Pact to try to find Board Upon the Win, which they do relatively quickly, but my whole views on Born Upon the Win have totally changed. At first, I thought it was like a fine, pretty okay card, but. I don't want to leave home without that fucker anymore. Like, that card just has is just as so much. Every time we tried to present follow-up interaction with my Ranger Captain on the stack, they are just able to, say, in response, make a ton of mana and then keep doing and spinning their wheels and drawing cards and tutoring and then finding the Thassa's Oracle to be able to win with instead of an Underworld Breach. Yeah. It was pretty nuts. Um, that win ended up getting them into the top 16 with their record, which um, at the time, all of us people at now 2-2 two and two were like, I don't know if we're going to make it, but um, it was enough to still get me into top 16. So I was still pretty excited about that. Nice. Very cool. I lost to Cody in my round four, the Cody that we were just talking about. I was playing against Blue Farm, who mulliganed to five. Cody, who didn't mulligan at all. Kinnon, who mulliganed to six. And then I mulliganed to six. Um, basically, the Cody player was able to go through their cascading. But their cascading strategy wasn't just to find Profane Tutor. They were finding Ancestral Visions. And they were finding Wheel of Fate. And they were just kind of banking them till afterwards. So they were spinning, spinning. They were able to eventually uh, do one that would find the Profane tutor we were able to stop that and kind of they the cody basically kind of presented like what felt like two semi wins we were able to stop them entirely except for the last one was a wheel of fate that the blue farm player was able to flash in an orcish bowmaster in response to so then we were like oh we're just we're all completely fucked now um blue farm player was able to basically wipe the board which got rid of the cody so in our minds we were like okay cody's probably done the kinnon player their board was done besides the rhystic study that they both had kinnon and blue farm both had a rhystic study at this point but the, the blue farm player was just able to wipe the whole board and had a huge giant creature when it got back to me i cast a dauntless dismantler thinking that it would maybe help against the blue farm player stop their dock side from exploding on mana they hadn't had like a ton of mana at this point and i ended up paying for one of the risk studies the blue farm players they mulliganed pretty low that game so i didn't want them to come back even further even after they drawn so many cards i was kind of thinking that the kinnon player would be able to keep them in check and the two risk study players would be able to fight so i paid for the risk study i didn't hold up my red elemental blast the blue farm player didn't do a ton cody after all of their said and done they were able to have fast oracle uh demonic consultation and i tapped out on mana so i wasn't able to play my red month blast and the kinnon player and blue farm player kept on digging a little bit but they just didn't have any interaction they had blew everything they had and cody player won but cody doing the extra stuff like even through a wheel of fate into a Bowmaster, like i i didn't think that was right i was like why would you not just go for a profane tutor every time it
made kind of made sense. Like they had like backup plans and backup strategies. Like they were able to show several powerful, easy ton of mana spells and it ended up working out for them. But yeah, so I lost that one. I'm one, two and one at this point. Pretty sure that I am not having going into top 16 and confirm that I, I did not. Yep. So so I'll go now. Thanks a lot. Yeah, for see you later. <laughs> but yeah, so going into top 16, now it's just you and me here, Tyler. I have to say, I felt like in both the semis and the finals, the seat order and the fact that I was going first felt really important. So I feel like I really benefited from having won round four and had the best record going into that um, because both times, semifinals and finals, definitely being on the play was a, a really big boon for me. Do you want to go first about your first top 16 match? It was a pretty quick one. Uh, it was over on... On turn three so i played a a mana crypt start and i played something else on turn one i don't quite remember what um i don't think it was kinnon yet um and then turn two was the tivit player that i had played in round one um cj super nice guy and uh he played a blind obedience which had i been not in seat one would have like definitely shut me down and i think he was kind of keeping um the hand he kept on the on the assumption that blind obedience would be enough to slow down rogsai and my deck kinnon enough to be able to like kind of get into where um tivit shines in the like early mid game it went around the board rogsai player had you know like a play play roger you know normal turn one turn two i got kinnon out and got somewhat set up i was low on cards in hand but i had um, a core of calling and a force of negation, which I assumed I was going to need for this turn cycle. Tivit and then Tyam player, um, the same Tyam player I had played in round three, uh, didn't do much on that turn cycle, or at least not much that impacted me. And the Rogsai player went to play a defense grid. Um, which made me really nervous, in part because um, Ryan is a very good player, and he also had previously told me, yeah, sometimes in Rogsai I'll just play a defense grid and pass, knowing that if it gets back to me, I'll win on my turn. If it's early enough, I can just do that. So he said, are you winning on your turn? And I said, no, because with what I had in hand, I definitely could not win on my turn. So I ended up uh, pitching Tidespot Tyrant to Force of Negation to counter the defense grid, and felt reasonably good about that but it feels bad to spend your last counter spells just like countering a defense grid that's not even winning on that turn especially getting rid of the tight spot tyrant to do it that kind of stinks yeah and then we're under a blind obedience so i think i'm on the really slow plan um but i untapped and i drew a basalt monolith for turn naturally <laughs> just top deck, it. Just top deck <laughs> so on turn three i was able to play i think some other mana rock was my other last card in hand um i played basalt monolith which ended tapped because of the blind yes. obedience but, I mean, Basalt has an ability that untaps it on the thing, and I had enough mana to just pay that and then try and get rolling with Basalt. So I did that, could demonstrate an infinite colorless, and, you know, I'm sure they're looking at me like one card left in hand, and yeah, he's probably going to play a value piece. And I had exactly enough one green mana on a land and two creatures that could tap for green to convoke Court of Calling for X equals a zillion, find Thrasios, win the game. Incredible. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. extremely lucky it, yeah, to it was rip just the perfect. Basalt. But yeah. you played to, like, you play those cards in your deck so that you draw them, and you yeah. played to your outs. Like, that was, like, the, you had you countered the right thing, the de like, the defense great i think it was just yeah kinnon's great kinnon does that but i i do think i've benefited a lot from variants in that game which uh spoiler alert same thing with the next round. that's the what happens in magic like that's how you win tournaments of magic is just your some things are going to go your way like you just yeah. are on the right side of luck like yes it's you're playing well yes you're you know making the right decisions yes maybe your opponents are doing some things wrong but you are getting a little lucky that's that's part of it fuck i'm sorry i have to back up yep i messed up i said that time player was in seat three it was my friend chen who was playing niv mizzet i i totally forgot he mulled all the way down to i think he mulled down to three and kept a um urza saga lightning bolt dockside hoping that that was the three that would get there and it did not get there but yeah i said i'm sorry i saw a lot of that tie-in player chen you, you did your best with the three man i'm sorry <laughs>
Yeah, so my top 16 match uh, was the Cody player going first that we've all faced at this point now. Uh, the Tim the Crown player that I faced off in match one, me going third, and then a Doretti deck going last. So immediately I know what this Doretti deck's trying to do. Turbo uh, one ring. Turbo one ring, and they do like a meal, Gaius Cradle. I'm blowing up their spot so that the table knows, especially because it's the Blue Farm player's second day playing this format. I need to let him know what this other deck's gonna do derevi right derevi not derevi not derevi okay derevi oh <laughs> yeah. my god i hate turbo one ring instead of turbo one ring in red right yeah uh, <laughs> i had heard all day that this cody deck can hang in the mid-range so my perception of this deck is that it's cody but it's slow. So they turn one Cody, and Doretti has a Swords to Plowshares for it, thankfully, on their turn one. But my, my previous searching for Mystic Remora did so well for me. So I, I did keep a hand that had a Vamp Tutor for the Mystic Remora, but um, I also had uh, in my hand Thoracle tainted pack so i'm like i only have two lands i need to be able to get some value so i can make some mana so that i'll be able to survive long enough so that i can get this down so between my mystic remora and a ledger shredder and the Doretti player getting down captains to say tapping it on their next turn to search for the one ring and slamming that into play we're all setting up for the long game and then cody who had played their Cody again on turn three by the time their turn four comes around is now able to play Colleen ritual. And this is where I thought that I was going to get a bunch of extra cards. And I thought, but the way that Cody works, first of all, you can activate Cody a second time and then get two cascades off of the next thing that you cast, right? So that's busted. I didn't really fully realize that. So he casts Colleen ritual then and gets two Cody triggers, which he, cascades into and then doesn't have to cast right away so now all of my card advantage is going to go away before he's going to cast these other spells calling the week the ritual calling the week colleen ritual four mana spell the four mana one that's going to get rid of my mystic remora so i won't have the opportunity to draw more that's not calling the week that's calling ritual that's what i said that's calling what you said ritual. but so oh, he, he's okay. cascading into a like a three drop or something then off of that right it can be anything it doesn't have to be a three it can but be it's anything. just less than four just less than four okay yeah. so it's not necessarily one of his things that he's going into off of no the it's not okay. in fact he cat he cascades into untappers okay. that allow him to like Do untap again. cody and just like keep spinning so that eventually he can cast a one mana thing that will go get him the profane tutor excellent okay looking at the list i totally misunderstood what everyone was saying and i should have asked more questions about this cody deck because it is still a very fast list it just has other options for when it needs to go to the late game which i should have been more prepared for instead of setting up for this late game situation i thought we were going to go into i'm now like caught with my pants down without much interaction up and i can just kind of let this cody go it seems like what the cody has is more gas a little bit less interaction and just like a ton more like active stuff to do so by hanging in the late game it just tries to win like several times i think is like what people were saying right yeah and i i took it for oh it's gonna play red elemental blast right. shit like that <laughs> but it's not it's not on any of that kind of stuff so the cody deck ended up clutching the top 16 game and made its way to top eight beat both of us the top four yeah it did it crushed us yeah so top four top four you made the top four tell us about it what are your, what are your thoughts going in i was in seat one going into top four so i was delighted about that 
um, but I was against the Cody player that I was scared of. <laughs> that I, I I only knocked out of the first game by force of willing to Cody on turn one, and against uh, the Tyem deck that I had lost to in round three, my only loss of the tournament, um, and another Kinnon deck, which that didn't especially scare me. I to be honest, I usually feel pretty confident in um, the mirror match, sort of if it comes down to a race between two Kinnons, because I just have so much experience piloting the deck. Yeah. So more than any other, I know what they're likely going for, and I know how to interact with it. I you know, loved the Seador, was really excited, extremely nervous, and um, my first seven was total dog shit, and I was like, oh, fuck, uh-oh. Um, second seven, like, no lands, I was just like, oh, no, I'm totally screwed, oh, I'm totally screwed. And then the third hand that I looked at was, um, I don't remember what the seventh card was that I put on the bottom, but the six that I kept was Elvish Spirit Guide, Mox Diamond, Minamo, The One Ring, Mana Crypt, and Thorn Mammoth. Which it's is a great hand. It's turn one, one ring. It's already a turn one, one yeah. ring. Yeah, right. Absolutely. It's great. And in Kinnon, you're always going to play the Mox Diamond rather than the land because it'll eventually tap for more mana. But with Elvish Spirit Guide, that's still a turn one, one ring. So I couldn't have been more excited. And I drew another land. So what this changed for me is that I could be extra cautious and play a turn one, one ring that was my second spell using Elvish Spirit Guide instead of my third. So that not even Mind Break Trap was an option. It had to be, you know, Force of Will, Force of Negation, something like that. So you just, you play land, mana crypt, Elvish Spirit Guide, and then cast a one ring. That's exactly what I did. And then you can cast Mox Diamond afterwards. And then I cast Mox Diamond afterwards, yeah. Um, terminal one, one ring on the play, if you've never had the pleasure, feels <laughs> unbeatable. Especially with yeah. a deck like Kinnon that can give you enough mana to cast all of your spells right away. You don't get bottlenecked at any point. Like, it's a yeah. fucking Seaborn Muse deck. The one yeah, ring, exactly. The one Holy ring is shit. so good with Seaborn Muse. Yeah. So turn two, I got a Kinnon down and, you know, drew many cards. And uh, turn three, I was able to cast uh, a Void Winnower. Just natural. Just, just an 11 mana. Turn three, Winnower. yeah. <laughs> yeah, tons of mana coming down. Um, the Cody player played a Mystic Remora and was trying to hang off of me doing a lot of stuff, but um, was doing a lot of tutoring, and it didn't seem like they were going to have a way to dig out. Tyem player got stuck on one land and could basically do nothing. <laughs> um, and the other Kinnon player did get Kinnon down, play some rocks, do some stuff. Um, but somewhere around turn three, I got a Cyclonic Rift down. I eventually tutored for Seedborn Muse, and there, it was pretty clear that there was no getting out of it. It's hard to be the Kinnon player that f has to follow up the Kinnon player that got a turn <laughs> one one ring yeah. and be yeah. like, hey, I'm threatening two. Yeah, it's just so small in comparison. I mean, there was a little bit of interaction that happened, but it was it was very much a game that was... It was your game to lose. It, it was, oh, yeah, yeah. It kind of felt like it was over turn one. Definitely. But, like, that's what happens. Like, we were saying, like, like in order to win a tournament, you got to get lucky some of those games. You got to get some good lucky hands. You made good mulligan decisions. You didn't keep the good the garbage seven or the second seven. You found the mulligan six, and it was a great one. Astoundingly, I did still misplay, actually. You? Yeah. Do you have any ones in mind that you can think? No, I know exactly there's one thing. So I had Minamo in hand as my land that I already had, which is great with the one ring, obviously. Um, and what I drew was a fetch land. And I was looking at my cards, um, looking at the amount of green mana that I might um, want over the turn cycles, and I made the decision to keep the fetch land and crack that and get the trap island rather than play the Minamo's land for turn so that I wouldn't get stuck on colors at all. Yeah. I don't think that was right. I think I probably should have just kept the Minamo. I had a fucking turn one one ring. I will say I had two Minamo one ring situations for me throughout the day and it was fucking awesome. They were drawing a ton of cards. That, that might help seal the deal, but you're also already so ahead. I do get the thought process of just like, I just want to make sure I can cast my spells. Like I got draw. I don't need to like go overboard. I just want to make sure I can cast spells and it was good. So I do get it, but it would have been more magic Christmas land if you kept them in Amal, sure. Absolutely. So what we learned this weekend, because this event happened the same weekend as the boil, is that Kinnon is still 
top dog because yes. there were two tournaments same weekend where two Kinnon decks made it to the top four and took the whole tournament too. So this is Kinnon's time right now. I feel like we talked about earlier. If this is mid-range season, if that's what the world we're living in, Kinnon, I feel like Kinnon is near top dog at that. Yes, Blue Farm is great at grinding. Yes, Atraxa is great at grinding. These other decks can do that, but Kinnon is just like Tron. It just goes way over the top. Shut the fuck up. Don't <laughs> tell don't tell anyone. Wait, yeah. like, can we go back to like two years ago when people were like, oh, it's like a tier B deck? Like, yeah. No. No, no we I need would to say get the it's, format it's... to speed up. What I've learned from Cody and Rogsai this weekend is that well, I gotta play something fast again. Yes, I made we had a short recently where I was talking about some stacks pieces that were used against to like help stop a Kinnon deck. And the joke was if you watched that video, was Kinnon still won that game because stacks players stacks things to stop the Kinnon is just not the greatest strategy. We don't want to tell all of your secrets, but you would probably admit that like fast decks are how you that's how you beat Kinnon is you go faster than them. You win on turn two. Most stacks decks Kinnon loves to see. Yeah. Like even even when you get Draineth out of your Kinnon, like like a lot of the time I still feel like I'm gonna win that game eventually. You do have force of will, you have the counter spells, you do have ways to stop the early wins, but like that's the way to beat Kinnon is to go before they get set up. If you're going for if you're trying to grind with them or if you're trying to go for more protected win, by the time it gets to like a lot of times like turn four, turn five, Kinnon is just gonna completely take over unless you go out of your way to focus Kinnon out of the game. That's like I guess another way. You could just everyone say, Well, spend all of our removal on the Kinnon and maybe that's okay. And but then someone else just wins who's not some, you exactly. Anyway. Like, yeah. That's not a good winning strategy. That's a good defeating Kinnon strategy. Just winning the game is the best way to win the game. Right, exactly. Just winning <laughs> the game. Play to win. That's that's the way to go. Wait, so why didn't you guys just do that in the tournament? Dude, I'm th I don't know why I just didn't play a Grixis deck. Why did I play a fucking Sans yeah. Blue Stacks deck? Blood Pot is awesome, but I got to play more Grixis decks in tournament. Yeah. That was my biggest takeaway. I'm going fast next time, yeah. Before we go, I have some rapid-fire questions for you. Kinnon's good. I have a couple Kinnon questions. Do you think you can handle that? No. Okay, we're going to do it anyway. What do you think Kinnon's biggest strength is? Definitely just the mana ability. Um, the fact that it, it allows you to rent mana so fast, um, particularly if you land any of the turn one mana positive rocks, um, and a turn one Kinnon, like you can you can be doing things that most opponents can't do until turn three or even turn four on turn two with a turn one Kinnon. So it is definitely the explosiveness of mana. What about weakness? What's Kinnon's biggest weakness? If you, I know you don't want to admit the weakness, but if you had to pinpoint one of Kinnon's biggest weaknesses, what would you say? That's tough. I think I think I would say there's a lot that it just does not does not do without the commander. Um, if you don't have Kinnon, then um, you can still eventually play big fucking value creatures for their natural mana costs, and you will eventually get there. But that you can be vulnerable for a bunch of turns if Kinnon gets gilded draked or draineth magistrated or something removed in a way that you can't deal with having so much reliance on the commander is definitely an issue okay what about advice what's one piece of advice that you would give to a kinnon pilot to do better with the deck in terms of how they play or in terms of list choices either one what's either. first that comes one, to mind one piece of advice i yeah. think how they play is harder to learn and what i would say about playing kinnon is um almost always if i if I have a play that I feel like is is going for it and I can like maybe win um, versus a play that, you know, just extends the game longer, I will always make the choice to be patient and try and take the play that extends the game longer. Because sometimes like you will lose and you'll go, man, I wish I had taken that window. But because it is so much kin and strength, most of the time, if you can just stop your opponents from winning instead of actively trying to win until you are in a crushingly like overpowering advantage situation, that is what the deck is best at. So so stick to that, you know, make make the choice. Um, don't try and seize the window if if you think you're going to get blown out. That definitely makes a lot of sense. We talked about this one a little bit. Uh, what's one piece of advice you have for people who are trying to disrupt Kinnon? 
Honestly, I don't think Kinnon gets removed enough, and I understand why. It feels like they're literally just going to play it the next turn. They already have all this mana down. It's it's at most stopping them for one turn, but like that can be what it takes. I mean, if if you want to beat Kinnon, remove the Kinnon. I mean, the other thing is run more counter spells that can hit creatures. Like you know, you can't counter the things that are flipping off the top of Kinnon. But if you if you can deal with Kinnon, can persuade your opponents to deal with Kinnon. The only other way that deck is going to win is by playing the big creatures honestly. And if you cast a delay on a tight spot tyrant, I'm fucking done. I can pack it up. Love it. Final question: What's the best Simic deck in CDH? Ugh. Um, pure and toothy. <laughs> pure and toothy. Pure and toothy. <laughs> Thanks so much for watching. <laughs> if you like to support us directly, you can do so on Patreon, like our $100 patrons. Sean in the Ice, Mark Cirillo, SoCal Acura, Stormageddon, AJ Alwosabi, Demon of Rosgrees, Uncle Butts, Kawaja A. Hamid, Lauren Connell, and Baby G Bus. If you want to pick up any merch, you can do that at playtowinmtg.com or pull it off our cold dead bodies. If you want to, uh, our sponsor, Dragon Shield, are they are our sponsor and they are great and wonderful. Go uh, click the link down below. That's not how that's normally said on a thing. It is for this time. <laughs> Follow us on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for watching. See you next time. Toodaloo. And listening. Tyler Watson, Zachary Coulson, Tyler H, X Tyler the Tree X, Malcraft, Driving Crooner, Jabaha, Mace the Ace, Dalton Poteet, Hobo Ghost, Mitchell Shepard, Justin, Mansolo, Pedro, Jacob Depp, Michael Ballou, Jan Wildfang, Thomas Bueno, and David Nelson. Do you know that every time you read the $50 patrons, like in my head the whole time, it's just playing that stupid 55 song that was like popular when we were 18? My girlfriend's age, 55. Well, yeah, and so at the 55. end, as you're saying, all these $50 patrons, I'm just like, 50, 50, 50. 55 hot dogs, oh. 55 buns, 55 fries, 55, 55, 55 yeah. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.